2: Piers Morgan uncensored tonight an extraordinary exclusive interview from the heart of Europe's war former world heavyweight boxing champion Vladimir Klitschko opens up on the fight of his life
1: and this question is basically everyone in Ukraine Ukrainian or not and as you know there are journalists your colleagues journalists been killed precisely with sniper shots and lost their lives if you're in Ukraine you must You must know that that could be your last moment in life, last trip in life. And are you ready to give up anything you have for the country and freedom?
2: And he offers some gratitude to the United Kingdom and to Boris
1: Johnson. Thank you to Great Britain, Boris Johnson, that has stepped in. He was trying a lot from the early beginning. I want to say, please don't stop supporting us as long as this war is still going, because... Our economy is down to nothing. We, we have great will, and we stand strong with our will against one of the strongest armies in the world, but our will is stronger than any army or any weapon. And he talks about his hopes for life after the war. Honestly, I was, I was thinking, like, I should, I should just take Tyson Fury and tweet, last dance, question mark? It's a remarkably powerful
2: interview. But first, here's my brain dump. Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine to show the Russian people and the world how big and strong he and his military are, a global heavyweight that could bully its neighbours into submission, punch its way to domination. But instead, humiliatingly for the increasingly isolated tin dictator, he's showing us all the complete opposite. Against all the odds, Putin's now on the ropes... Smacked to the canvas by staggeringly brave Ukrainian resistance and his own tactical stupidity. Don't take my word for it. Even retired colonels on Russia's state TV, which spews out endless Kremlin propaganda,
3: are now admitting they're on the back foot. The main deficiency of our military political position is that, in a way, we are in full geopolitical isolation. And that, however much we would hate to admit it, virtually the entire world is against us. And it's that situation that we need to get out of.
2: It's hard to overstate just how significant that kind of comment is in a country where any public criticism of Putin usually ends very badly for the person saying it. But all the evidence suggests it's true. And desperate Putin's now personally making decisions normally made by his colonels. Maybe because so many of his actual colonels, at least 40, have been killed in the war so far along with 27,000 troops, a third of Putin's entire invasion force. And then there are the smouldering skeletons of 650 Russian tanks and 3,000 armoured vehicles. All a striking reminder of their leaders' military missteps. Now, of course, it's far too early and optimistic to suggest that Ukraine is winning. The toughest bouts undoubtedly lie ahead as Putin tries to maul his way out of a defeat that he knows could finish him. But nobody gave the Ukrainians a hope in hell when the Russian forces invaded 82 long days ago. So the fact they are where they are today is astonishing, and a testament to their incredible fighting spirit. And instead of scaring off NATO as Putin hoped, the the invasion has actually made Russian neighbours like Finland and Sweden abandon decades of neutrality to join the alliance. So Putin's lost support from much of the world, he's strengthened NATO, and now he's losing support inside Russia. I the mean, I speak to the boxing champion, now helping to inspire Ukraine's astonishing comeback, it's time that the West ramped up its efforts to help them deliver the knockout blow. Shh! It's that word that can't be spoken. It can be alluded to, but never actually said. Suggested, but always censored. Of course, it's the W word. Inconveniently, it refers to about 50% of the world's population. But fortunately, all-inclusive linguistic innovators have come up with many alternatives, which are apparently a lot less offensive than the W word. Birthing people. Menstruators. Bodies with vaginas. Individuals with a cervix. Chest feeders. These are all real, by the way. And then there's this one. Woman X, woman X, woman X, and Wom X. I have no idea. I don't know how you pronounce that. Do you? Former first lady Michelle Obama used it on her Instagram at the weekend, ironically to promote women's rights over abortion. One of the slides she shared said, "State lawmakers will have the power to strip woman X of the right to make decisions about their bodies and their health care." Now, those who watched the show last night will know we had some issues with offensive language so I will say the following word with some trepidation. It's woman, Michelle. Woman. There's no X in woman. What makes this particularly absurd is that Mrs Obama's post was supposed to be supporting women's rights. Instead, she's trampled on them by pandering to a tiny minority of people who get upset when they hear a word that's been used for centuries to describe people who aren't men. The term womanix, whatever it is, It's supposed to be a mark of respect, I'm told, for transgender and non-binary people who identify as women. But what about the mark of disrespect that it shows to the vast, vast majority of women who would just like to be called women, spelt that way, W-O-M-E-N? Where are their rights in all this virtue-signalling language mangling? Reducing half of the world's population to an unpronounceable letter salad does nothing but deride women and draws mockery to the trans cause. Michelle Obama, of all people, should have known better than to fuel this nonsense. Well, sometimes news stories are so absurd, they look more like satirical parodies. I honestly thought somebody was winding me up when I saw a headline that Spice Girl turned fashion designer Victoria Beckham had declared that wanting to be thin is an old-fashioned attitude. Women today want to look healthy and curvy, she told a glossy magazine as she unveiled her new collection. To which I say, sorry, what? What? Is this the same Victoria Beckham notorious for literally eating a salad leaf for lunch? And the same Victoria Beckham more pertinently who puts on catwalk shows with models like this? For many years, she has deliberately used skeletal, gaunt, hollow cheek models to flog her fashion, which I regularly criticise as a horribly dangerous inspiration to the tens of millions of young girls who follow Victoria Beckham on social media. And I suspect this sudden new-turn to celebrating curvier bodies is more connected to her struggling business, which has lost millions and never made a profit, than about her dramatic conversion to the aesthetic charms of the larger lady. As this latest cover of Sports Illustrated shows, bigger is the new thinner and where all the fashion money is now going. Meanwhile, these are the women currently modelling Victoria Beckham's new VB body range. I've seen more curves on a Roman road. So stick a cork in your body, positive preaching posh. I see right through the very little of you. Now, there are three things in life that are absolutely nailed down certain. Death, taxes and snowflakes complaining about me. We knew when we recorded the TV advert for this show, poking fun at the Oversensitive Woke Brigade, there would immediately be a wave of frenzy protests from the Oversensitive Woke Brigade. And right on cue... In they came, with formal complaints lodged to the Advertising Standards Authority, which is the UK's ad regulator, by po- people moaning about how deeply offended they are. Well, this is the deeply offensive and triggering promo that we ran. Welcome to Piers Morgan on Sense it. It's my new show where people can speak their minds. Sorry, Piers, some people don't identify as people. It's a place for big opinions. Sorry, that's fattest... For me to debate, offensive for vegans. <laughs> World's gone nuts.
3: Nuts could be sexist and offensive.
2: Actually, I find you offensive, mate. Thirty-eight people watched that and were so distressed by what they watched that they felt they had to make an official complaint. They said the ad was offensive as it was targeting marginalised communities and making light of the discrimination that they face. A number of complainants <laughs> objected particularly to the some people don't identify as people line. Can you imagine complaining about that? Fortunately, common sense prevailed. The authority rejected these complaints. It was a victory for free speech, for sanity and in fact common sense. As Piers Morgan now remains uncensored and will always remain uncensored. Well on says the next I speak to former World Heavyweight Champion Vladimir Klitschko from Ukraine, a country ravaged by war, has cost tens of thousands of lives in his
1: country. Civilians are getting killed and residential districts in the cities being bombed with phosphoric bombs and cluster bombing. This genocide of the Ukrainian population must be stopped.
2: For months now, we've watched the Ukrainian people fight for their lives with a resilience and resolve that astounded the rest of the world. And it's the Ukrainian leaders who've led by example. The boxing Klitschko brothers have been on the ground, shoulder to shoulder with their countrymen, showing grit and determination to defend their country against Putin's army. Just before we came on air, I spoke to former world heavyweight champion Vladimir Klitschko from Kiev in Ukraine, where his brother Vitaly is the mayor. It was one of those interviews where, when I'd finished... I said to the team, we've got to run every single word of that because I found it so uniquely powerful. So we are. Here it is, the whole interview, completely uncentered, from start to finish. And I started by asking Vladimir Klitschko this is the most important fight of his life.
1: I would say that this battle is definitely the most important of our lives, of the Ukrainians, we never were expecting to be attacked as, as it happened on 24th of February. And this senseless war has taken thousands of lives, destroyed infrastructure in the country and still going on. The fights are still going on while we're talking. And every night, every day, there are rocket attacks. Up to 2,000 rockets have been launched from Belarus, and Russia to destroy our life life of the Ukrainians that were associating themselves with democratic values of the free world and we have committed us to it since 2014 and the world totally underestimated The annexation of Crimea by Russia, support of the Lugansk and Donetsk, so-called separatists, and continuing with invasion of the entire country. Russia needs Ukraine, obviously, as we see, but Russia doesn't need Ukrainians. And that's why civilians are getting killed and residential districts in the cities being bombed with phosphoric bombs and cluster bombing, which is continuing. That was in Bucha, Gastomil, Erpin, Makariv. All those satellite cities were acting like a shield for the capital of Ukraine. And they were taking the first hit. I was in Bucha i saw it with my own eyes all the civilians that been tortured with the tight hands behind their head hand, behind their back and sh- with a shot in the head executed there's so many children that been suffering killed or injured up to 1000 children we can't really give exact numbers because the numbers are still going on and counting and the world just has underestimated this madman's man aggression. And now, as the consequence, and I remember those lines from the world leaders saying, if Russia is going to cross the line and invade Ukraine, there are going to be consequences. And those consequences, for almost two months, we were taking. The Ukraine has been taken. Eventually, Now the free world is openly supporting us with defensive weapons, with the weapons, period. In the war, you cannot fight with bare knuckles. We need weapons to protect our sky above our heads and protect our home country. And the war is reckless. And I couldn't even imagine in my life that any other human can do something like that to the other human And that's what I've seen in Bucha. But the repetition of Bucha is in multiple cities in the country. So this genocide of the Ukrainian population must be stopped. And this is not the word that the world should be scared of even think about it or pronounce it. It is happening in Ukraine. It is happening. Mariupol has been destroyed completely. And we just hope and do anything for it so that this war is going to be stopped with the help of the free world. And I want to use just one one moment of, of, of this monologue and say thank you to Great Britain, Boris Johnson, that has stepped in. He was trying a lot from the early beginning to find... The way how he can talk to Putin, how he can prevent the first steps that unfortunately were made and the lines were crossed. And all the support and supply that we were receiving from the beginning, and this is so great to have allies and partners of our nation. And I just want to say thank you. And I want to say Please don't stop supporting us, as long as this war is still going, because our economy is down to nothing. We, we have great will, and we stand strong with our will against one of the strongest armies in the world, but our will is stronger than any army or any weapon. And we show it. We're dedicated to the country, to freedom in Ukraine, in Europe, and in the world, because from this war, not just Ukraine is suffering, the entire Europe and the world is suffering. The prices are going to go up. The gas prices, food prices. So everything is connected with each other in this world. We're living in a global world and we're very, very connected with each other. And it is very important to keep this chain Connected. If Ukraine fails, you're going to fail too, guys.
2: Vladimir, I mean, that's one of the most powerful openings to an interview I think I've probably ever done in my life. The passion, the eloquence, the resilience in your voice, the determination. Ultimately, we're 82 or three days into this war now. Putin clearly felt he could just run over Ukraine and seize it. Uh, that's failed but he's waged this genocidal rampage through your country. Uh, and I guess the big question now is, can Ukraine win? Can you, can you actually defeat
1: Vladimir Putin? We didn't start this war, obviously. We're taking the consequences. We cannot plan for the next minute hour day, we need support that partially we're getting. We determine, we are determined to protect ourselves, our families, our children, our parents that are with us or buried in this ground. This is our home. There is not even a doubt we don't ask ourselves, can we win it? This is our home. You do anything for your family, for your children, anything to protect, to cover, to give future, to be more creative and not destructive. And that's what Ukrainians are. We are creative. We're great at aviation if think about just first helicopter that was launched a couple of hundreds of meters from here in a city by Igor Sikorsky. We prob- probably, you know, it's not advertising, but in IT mm-hmm. area we're we're great, and uh you're probably using WhatsApp, and it was created by Ukrainian Jan Kuhn, mm-hmm. originally from Vinica. So and we can endlessly count on and on. We are well-educated, we're giving to the world. We're not taking. Yes, we ask a lot about help and support now, but we were giving a lot too, and we will give more. Trust me. One of the most Just extraordinary protect- things,
2: uh, Vladimir. One of the most extraordinary things about this war is the way it's played out in real time on social media. We've all been able to watch the horror as it's unfurled, but we've also been able to watch people like you and your brother, Vitali, who's the mayor of Kiev, and, of course, President Zelensky. And, and the strange curiosity about the three of you is that two of you are former professional boxers and one was a comedian, and yet you've come to symbolise the astonishing resilience of the Ukrainian people. Where do you get that from, you and your brother? Is it from your childhood? Is it from your father, who was a pilot with the Soviet uh, Air Force and who uh, had to go in after Chernobyl and that, in the end, uh, cost him his life? Is that where you get this strength from? Were Were you, from a very early age, effectively shown how to fight for your country and how to survive this kind of thing?
1: Look, I'm not going to talk a lot about my brother and myself, because I believe there are women and men that right now standing in the front line and protecting our country and have lost their lives as well. And I have lots of respect um, for all the Ukrainians that doing for the past 83 days what we've been doing. And obviously, you understand. It's like in, in economy, entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship. So you understand that you're a piece of a big bigger puzzle. Mm-hmm. And the big puzzle actually exists and functions from small pieces like you. And I, I do know that and remember, as we, as we uh, all are probably, those famous lines, don't ask what, you, what country can do for you, ask what it can do for your country. And obviously, I ask myself, I could be with my child somewhere in the safety and, um, and just probably my child is the most important thing in my life. But I also understood that there's much bigger things and freedom and your people and your country and, and basically this connection that you're part of this big puzzle and you need to stay connected, especially in these challenging times. And not just challenging. This is the times of war. Who would have thought in 2022? Well, just recently, we're looking at Elon Musk and uh, um, NASA ships exploring Mars. And I could take a look from my Tesla, you know, about the weather on Mars. And who would have thought that someone else is going to collect land and say, this is our land. We need more land. It's not Mm -hmm. enough land. And um, create something that exist in, in just one person's mind and its effectiveness and populism is definitely needs to be reconsidered in the world because propaganda and populism is leading to something that like we have as a result now. But that's for the time after the war, obviously, and been always like that. It's been always like that. The beginning and the end of anything and the war as well. But minute, are, you, are you, are you, are you the, prepared the, to... The time after the war... Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's eventually going to happen, and, and we, we definitely need to... The world must learn from this mm. senseless aggression that is happening now, again, after Second World War.
2: Are you prepared, if it comes to it, to lose your life, to fight for your country?
1: I asked my, myself this question when Russian forces were in the outskirts of the city, and if I wouldn't be ready for it, I would have left. The city of Kyiv, with almost 5 million people like a sponge, it's a big city and busy city, was empty. You could hear the explosions, constant explosions because the fights were going on in the outskirts of the city. And you must count with anything while you're in Kyiv or in Ukraine, with anything. Even now, and this question is basically everyone in Ukraine, Ukrainian or not, and as you know, there are journalists, your colleagues, journalists, Mm. been killed precisely with Mm. sniper shots and lost their lives. If you're in Ukraine, you must must know that that could be your last moment in life, last trip in life. And are you ready to give up anything you have for the country and freedom? And that's the question that millions of Ukrainians asking and the answer is yes because you could do anything for your children anything for your country anything for your parents anything that that you love and that's something that just cannot be in a different in a different way
2: what is your message to putin
1: i've been asked this question many times in multiple occasions and interviews it's just, you know, there's no particular line that could do anything to Putin to change his life, or to a person in this case, and change his opinion, or, or stop this war. It's just in mad person's mind, and how you can convince a madman, I don't even know. And there is nothing to communicate because, obviously, what was coming from Russian side is a lie. When they said, we're never going to offend anyone, invade anyone, it was just happening. And this is in multiple cases. As soon as Russia, Putin, his army, or foreign ministers, or anybody involved were making statements that was exactly the opposite. So how can we communicate? I don't see even sense or reason. There is just one line that not just Putin, but the entire world must take it seriously. Stop this senseless war. And this is on Putin, and as well as on the free world. Because without your support and help, and if you're going to keep standing silently and just observing what is going on in Ukraine, blood is on your hands too. Because you do nothing about it, if you do nothing about it. And that's why stay out to stop this war. I'm not going to get into details, but stop this war. As soon as the war is going to be stopped, life's going to be saved.
2: And, and Vladimir, no what, is, what is your view of what should be done, for example, with Russian sports people, uh, athletes and so on? There is a view that they should all be banned from any competition. There's another view that only the team uh, playing under the Russian flag should be banned and individuals should be allowed to continue. What is your view as one of the great sporting champions, certainly in my
1: lifetime? On the economical side, isolation of Russia. On different points of it, gas, oil, coal, no ships can park at any ports. They should understand that the world is against this senseless war, against, not just with wording and sanctions, but in reality nothing, but isolation. Next Olympic Games, I think that IOC should ban the Russian team now. The war is going on. They cannot participate in the next Olympic Games. They cannot participate in any athletic events because this war is represented by Russia. So athletes representing Russia, and there is definitely connection. And I believe that this is going to be the message. And that's exactly the answer for the question, what would you say to Mr. Putin? It's really saying is cheap now. Action speaks louder than words. Isolation. Isolation. And this isolation speaks louder than any line and any word. Because isolation is painful. Yes, it's going to be painful for athletes. It's going to be painful for economy. It's going to be painful for... Everybody and anybody that is involved with Russia, silently trading with Russia, supporting their financially with this, in this trade, because the money that Russia is getting and filling up their budget, they're getting and producing more weapons and financing their soldiers that today killing us Ukrainians. And that must be stopped with isolation. And Atlas is not an exception.
2: Vladimir, when this war is over, and one day it will be over, do you hope to get back to boxing again? There's been lots of speculation that that may be what you want to do.
1: You're going to put a smile on my face. I, I just realised recently that I haven't smiled a lot in the past 82, three days. And um, you just said something about sports because that puts me in somewhere my comfort zone because that's where my passion is and and honestly i was i was thinking like i should i should just take tyson fury and tweet last dance question mark <laughs> since he wants to retire and we and we are uh, we supposed to have this rematch and then and, and i was thinking about it you know i didn't do it because my mind was in totally different mm. or now in different world but it just, you know, after getting those news that um, he defended the title and he is uh, retiring, and I wish him the best. Uh, but I was really thinking I should I should send this, I should tweet this last dance. <laughs> do you
2: feel like it's uh, Do you feel like it's unfinished business with you
1: too? I believe I believe. Uh, well, that was that was all the dreams before the war, and I was I was um, sharing those dreams. I had a dream to become the oldest heavyweight champion of the world and not to break the jaw in the ring, you know, obviously speaking um, of the contra hand, but to break the record, break the record. And that's to become the oldest heavyweight champion after uh, George Foreman. Um, So I was 45, now I'm 46. And that's exactly the time. That was the plan. But uh, we're talking about something that was happening before. And now there's a big question mark what is going to go on with the war. And and, uh, there's a lot of question marks. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. So that's why. I think that's um, right. But I also think
2: I loved your reaction when I mentioned it, because it must be it must be hellish what you're all going through in Ukraine. And the moment I mentioned something which took you back to your life before this, your face lit up. You know, the last time I saw you was at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx golf tournament in October last year. And I remember you, you were celebrating one night with Andrei Shevchenko, the, the great Ukrainian football player. And life seemed pretty good for all of us right then. And life has changed very dramatically now. And I very much hope that, you know, come the autumn, this war is over, you've got your country back, you've won, and I get to see you again up in Scotland on the links there because that would be a sign of, I think, a reward for the astonishing courage that you and the Ukrainian people have shown.
1: Fingers crossed. Hopefully the peace in Ukraine will come sooner than later. Thank you for hanging me, Mr Morgan. It was great seeing you. You know, it's Choose great. from Kiev, Ukraine.
2: I, I, it's been such an honour to interview you. I'm in total awe of all that you're doing uh, and all the Ukrainian people. We all are over here, and I think the more that Britain can do and the more the West can do generally to help you defeat Putin, the better, and I will be urging them to do that. And I wish you and your family all the very best, uh, Vladimir, as you go forward. And uh, I just hope that you continue, continue to confound all the the sceptics and the doubters and that you win this war because it matters so much, I think, to democracy that you do.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a
2: remarkable guy. And they are remarkable people, aren't they, the Ukrainians? He sort of perfectly exemplifies that spirit, that fighting spirit. They're not going to give up, and I think they're going to win. Uncensored next, Well, I'll talk about from... I don't know, from something inspiring, something important to something rather different. Uh, apparently, women have been victims of mansplaining and microaggressions in the workplace. But now there's another offense in the minefield of office politics. Or is it just a new name for bad behavior? Find it after the brain, But it is ridiculous.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
2: Ladies, I'm sure you're all familiar with the so-called hippieting. This is this thing where a man takes a woman's idea and then takes all the credit for it. It's not a new phenomenon. Take a look at this punch cartoon from 1988. You, you get the drift. Uh, basically, the only good ideas come from men. This week, staff at UK exam regulator Ofqual have reportedly been warned to avoid hipping. So, what is it? And does it exist? Well, would me now, a socialist author... Grace Blakely, and political pundit and journalist Russell Quirk. So it seems to me, Grace, that hippie is where, for example, you would have a good idea that you espouse right now, and I would go, yeah, you know what, and then I would repeat the idea and basically assume it is my own.
4: Does this really happen yeah. I mean, I think most women who've been in a professional environment have experienced this at one point or another. This kind of thing of you will pop up with something in a meeting, you'll you know, have a good idea, say, oh, maybe we should do this, maybe we should focus on this topic, and then someone else will say exactly the same thing and get all the credit. It comes alongside, I think, being interrupted. Now, I don't know if there's any empirical evidence of heap eating, but there's plenty of empirical evidence that men interrupt women a lot more than they interrupt other men. And I think it's basically a similar sort of category. And you think thing. we
2: mansplain and all the rest of it? Uh,
4: occasionally, yeah.
2: You see, Russell, my argument about this would be that a strong woman just doesn't take any of this stuff. Well, I, I, I worked When I worked with Susanna Reid at Good Morning Britain, she wouldn't accept me mansplaining or interrupting or any of these things,
3: and she would never dare yeah. suggest publicly that I was... Hippity, because it would make it look so weak. Well, I, I don't know any women that would tolerate this, and I've certainly never been in any situation where I've, I've seen it. Um, I've seen plenty of situations where it's worked the other way around, and certainly where men have uh, repeated and taken the credit for other... Uh, men, uh, you know, uh, edicts and, and suggestions. Um, but frankly, Piers, I think we're getting a little bit sick of this. I'm feeling actually quite oppressed as a, as, a, as a male, where every single social situation seems to be turned into something that is turned against men as if men are always the bad guys. Well, I
2: thought, the, well, I thought the, the, the idea for me, to be honest with you, Grace, was last week it emerged that there's fury over the latest sexism row, which is not enough female scientists are named after parasitic worms only 18% of parasitic worms have female scientists' names. Look, and I'm like, I like, think... Of all the hills to die on, really? <laughs> who did that, we so that... want to the... be named the after reason... parasitic worms?
4: The reason, funnily enough, that a lot of these issues end up taking up so much of our political conversation is because, actually, to be fair, a lot of the conversation around feminism is dominated by relatively privileged women who are in these contexts. What we should be talking about, in my opinion, as feminists, are things like... Women bore the brunt of austerity. Women have borne the brunt of the economic impact of the pandemic. Women are bearing the brunt of the Actually, cost of more, living crisis. Actually, more
2: men than women died from COVID. More men
4: than women died, but I said the economic impact. So m- m- women right, were more likely de- to work. But de-
2: death service. is probably the ultimate. Of course, so why, why are but you when not mentioning about- that? See, my when argument, we're thinking
4: about things that we can do in response to yeah, the but pandemic, at least like supporting You take a pandemic and you say, nurses. we had it worse... Well, I'm not saying we had it worse. In fact, I'm more saying, men die, significantly I'm more saying that die. when you have economic crises, women bear the brunt, right? Yeah. That's not necessarily always the case with all these other crises with the health impact or whatever, but women are carrying the burden of really just, like, long-term All economic right. stagnation in this country. I realise I've both interrupted
2: you and mansplained. So That's fine. I'm Russell, because I'm wrong. Could it be, Russell, <laughs> that we just do this without even realising? I mean, I'm, I can imagine the tweets now going... Well, you were literally just doing you know, it.
3: Everybody does this. Everybody does it. And, and it's not a gender-specific thing. And, and frankly, I think trying to call out all of these things as gender-specific really does this kind of equality and um, this diversity cause no good at all. It is because exhausting. The, the, but the it fact that we're here talking about it means it then becomes di- divisive. I think there's an
4: issue here as well with, like, y- you both said oh women who are strong don't yeah. let this happen, right? And that is in itself a problem because it's this, like, macho definition yeah, but of strength, are men aren't strong. which is like, oh, if you Shout over everyone else, then you're strong. Yeah, but if women like, we're I like do that. not I can do that. I can shout over everyone yes. else, but not everyone, male or female, is going to be like that. And actually, if everyone was, but like I would us, say more women. The world it, would fall apart. We no, would
2: have a conversation. My response would then be more people should be like you, more but then no one would be able to have a, a
3: conversation a if we were all thing.
4: shouting many over many, each other all the time. We're
3: doing it now, but there are as many men that are weak as there are women that
2: are weak. Not to like shout
4: over everyone all the time. I now have
2: okay, to shut you up because we've run out of time. Anderson interesting debate, I think you 're walking talking evidence that this doesn 't exist it 's a phenomenon invented by weak people. but thank you, Grace, and thank you, Russell. Unsensitive next, Amber Heard admits she hasn 't yet donated a massive divorce settlement from Johnny Depp to charity, despite saying under oath that she had. So can we believe anything she says? Well, the Lyric Corbin drama continues in America as Amber Heard admitted she's yet to donate her full $7 million divorce settlement from Johnny Depp, despite saying that she'd given it already to charity. She actually appeared on Danish TV saying the money had been split between two organizations, but that was not the case. Fast forward to 2020.
0: $7 million dollars in total was donated to, I split it between the ACLU and Children's Hospital of Los okay. Angeles.
2: But that wasn't true. She told uh, a court today. Uh, something rather different. And in the current libel case, the court so far has heard only $1.3 million has been donated by the herd or on her behalf, and the actress admits now that she hasn't paid in full. So can we believe her? Well, joining me now is Gloria Allred, one of the top attorneys in America. Gloria, great to see you. You too, Piers. Quick question. Who do you believe... This is a real... He, he said, she said... Not a lot of hard evidence on either side. Who do you believe?
5: Well, there are some recordings, so there are some also newspaper headlines that have been discussed. Uh, I I leave it for the jury to decide who to believe, but the point is that credibility is always an important issue. Uh, And uh, on this case, it is a he said, she said, but that makes credibility that much more important. Uh, And, really, there are some side issues, in a way, the um, donation of the money. I think the real issue for the jury is, did he uh, batter her? Did he sexually abuse her? Did she abuse him? Uh, And they're going to have to sort all of this out, and they'll do so after they get the jury instructions in this defamation case. I mean,
2: what's amazing to me is we've already been through one big court battle here in the UK, which Johnny Depp ended up losing. So we've been through all this once. We're now going through it all over again. And I don't see there's any winners coming out of this. I think both of their reputations have been so tarnished by the lurid details, it's very hard to see either of them coming out of this with anything other than losing in the court of public opinion.
5: Right, and and let's remember that it's Johnny Depp that filed this defamation case against Amber Heard. He was not required to do that. He could have just let the uh, decision in the case against the Sun in the U.K. Uh, be what it was and kind of die a, a quiet death uh, with no more comments about it and try to rehabilitate his career. But no, he, he decided let's keep on with this and he files this civil lawsuit against Amber Heard. She, of course, then had the right to counter... She did also file a complaint against him. Uh, so uh, we'll have to wait and see what the jury decides. But I agree with you, Piers, that it's really not good for either one of their reputations. On the other hand, if the jury feels that what she said was true, uh, then I think that uh, they may fine for her. How much is her uh, veracity? But I think there is a lot of Gloria. sympathy for him. Right. How much, her,
2: how much is her veracity now in question? Over this issue of whether she actually donated the money, because she clearly said she had, and she said that in the first court case as well. But it now turns out she hadn't.
5: Absolutely not. Well, I I do think that that's an issue. Uh, And I think some of what Johnny Depp has said is, you know, also might be questioned by the jury. But they're just going to have to sort this all out. You know, they could decide, I don't like either one of these people. A pox on both of your houses. Uh, I'm not going to find for either one of you. That's very possible. We don't know. I know there's been a lot of discussion that the jury may not be looking at Amber Heard. And what does that mean? If that's true, it may mean a lot of things. It could mean that they're just tired. They've made up their minds already, even though they haven't deliberated and made a decision as a group. Uh, or it, it may be that uh, there's nothing more for them to hear. They, they just would mm. like to get to the deliberation right. already and, and stop hearing all of these back and forths.
2: Right. You know, it's, I just find the whole thing unbelievably tawdry, I have to be honest. It's like the ultimate dirty linen being washed in public, and I just don't think anyone wins. But, Gloria, as always, you've given a brilliant analysis of it, and I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. All the best.
5: You too, and congratulations on your new show.
2: Thank you. It's great to have you. It wasn't a proper show until you were on it, so thank you. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Gloria Red. Okay. I love kilts. The national dress of bonnie Scotland. A celebrated part of Scottish culture for almost 500 years. But not anymore, obviously. The Scottish government has issued anti-racism guidance to schools warning teachers they should be avoiding showing Scots in kilts. Really? All the best people should wear them. As you can see, kids should dress in the clothes of other cultures, the government says, to make them global citizens. But kilts are a stereotype. Really? So the only culture these kids are not allowed to appropriate is their own. Well, I'm sorry... I'm not having it because that's ridiculous. On this show, we celebrate Scottish culture. So that's it from me. And here is some Scottish music for the Blood going to kill. That's it from me. Rupert Everett tomorrow night, wherever you are. Keep it uncensored. Good night.